0: Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, President of D. James Kennedy Ministries. Last week, I took the unusual step of breaking in before our normal programming to share an important message with you. This ministry is facing a financial predicament. Thanks to your responses, we are seeing improvement, but we're not there yet, and we need your help. Because our nation is at a tipping point, with faith under attack and our children being faced with leftist indoctrination, we've invested in new programming and in broadening our reach this year we've produced documentaries on the deadly legacy of darwin's theory and the erosion of our religious freedom we've launched a new weekly podcast the city of god we've relaunched the d james kennedy center for christian statesmanship to have an influence on capitol hill we produce and air truths that transform each week and so much more but as we approach the end of june If we don't make up our financial deficit, we will be forced to make some hard choices, including cutting back on the stations and networks that air this program. My friends, this is no time to pull back when there are so few voices boldly proclaiming God's word on controversial issues. Some of you have given generously, and I want to thank you. Others of you may appreciate the work that we do, but have not had the chance to donate. I want you to please first stop and pray for us and for the sake of our children and for the sake of our nation consider giving a generous gift today to help us not only maintain our ground but to push forward with the biblical truth please write us immediately at D James Kennedy Ministries box 111 54 Fort Lauderdale Florida 33339 or call toll free 877 962 7677, or go online to djkm.org. I want to thank you and may God richly bless you.
1: Today on Truths That Transform.
0: Many believe that this was the birth of religious liberty, to stand up against not only the established church at the time, but against the state. Welcome. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and because of that, freedom is a rare thing. America has been the freest nation on earth for hundreds of years, but now there's an all-out attack on the foundation of that freedom. On today's program, you'll see how the gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom, even to nations, and you'll discover why Christians standing up for God's truth and refusing to go along with the lies is necessary to keeping America free. We begin today's program at the beginning of our nation. Why did our founding fathers believe that religious liberty was so important that they put it first in the Bill of Rights?
2: The First Amendment to the Constitution begins Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof.
3: One can look at earlier iterations, that is earlier drafts of the First Amendment, to know that that word respecting an establishment of religion simply meant no national denomination or national church. Very many of the states at that time had state churches, So it was limited to Congress. There were many Americans
4: who uh, wanted to disallow the establishment of a national church because they feared that a new national church would displace the existing church-state relationships that we found in the various states and at the local level.
2: What brought about the change in understanding from no establishment to separation of church and state which is often interpreted as the separation of God and government. In a
1: 1947 court case, uh, Everson versus the Board of Education, the Supreme Court did something that was kind of unbelievable. They went back and pulled out a letter that Jefferson had written. Now, so we're perfectly clear. This was our third president, and we're now in 1947, so they went way back. It was not an act of Congress. It wasn't something that was done even in an official capacity. It wasn't even an executive order, which we know in today's world can be signed or not signed and moved along from president to president. But basically a letter to a constituent was used to support a brand new legal doctrine that the Supreme Court essentially invented.
4: And it's in this case that the Supreme Court uh... Uh, connects the First Amendment with the 14th Amendment which begins to undermine this historic understanding of the First Amendment as a provision primarily about federalism, the separation of powers between the central government and regional governments. And so they extend the prohibitions of the Establishment Clause to the state and local level. We also begin to see a redefining of what we mean by an establishment of
3: religion. Cultures are won and lost over what words mean. And there's a very powerful statement by Paul Johnson in a book called Enemies of Society that is worth taking note of. One principal way in which our civilization is rendered vulnerable to assault by its enemies and its false friends is through the undermining of linguistic truth. Language is the bloodstream of a culture, the real infrastructure of civilization. There has been that notion that words can be twisted um, and that they are not fixed. Uh, I would say to that, to the federal judges who adopt that attitude, they don't mean that altogether. If you were to leave off one of the zeros on their paycheck on the very next time uh, that they were due for pay, I would submit that they were very literal interpretationists. It is government that is
4: restricted by the First Amendment. So we go from an amendment which in its literal language restricts government only to now being a restriction not only on government, but now it becomes a restriction on the church.
2: The context of Jefferson's letter is as follows. In his day, Thomas Jefferson was viewed as a champion of religious freedom, especially to those who stood outside of the established church. When Jefferson became the third president, he was a hero to evangelical groups around the country. In 1801, a group of Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut wrote to him to cheer him on and also to make sure their rights as non-conformists in a state church, the Congregational Church, would not be denied. On January 1st, 1802, he wrote them, Believing with you that
5: religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Thomas Jefferson.
4: And that phrase, a wall of separation between church and state, of course, has been extracted from the letter and has become, in the minds of many Americans, including many Supreme Court justices, as synonymous with the First Amendment.
2: In Jefferson's letter, he went on to say that this whole measure was on behalf of the rights of conscience. He ends the letter with a request for their prayers to God. I reciprocate your kind prayers for the protection and blessing of the
5: common father and creator of man and tender you for yourselves and your religious association assurances of my high respect and esteem.
2: Thomas Jefferson. Some critics note that the very letter that gave us the separation of church and state concept technically violates the separation of church and state as often understood today.
4: This is a letter that not only ends with a request for prayer, but it begins with a series of, of profoundly theological propositions. He begins the letter speaking, "Believing with you that religion is a matter that lies solely between a man and his God." Right? He begins with a theological uh, proposition. So this is a letter that's drenched in theology and in a religious reverence.
2: What has been the effect of this reinterpretation of the First Amendment by the Supreme Court?
1: They said, we are going to install this concept of the separation of church and state. And what it really turned into was judicial censorship. The courts would be able to decide when was an acceptable level of religion, And when did it go too far? And over these last years, since that ruling in 1947, it's been a nonstop stream of cases where the court tries to balance. And if you really look at it, it's sheer censorship. We, the court, will decide when you've crossed the line.
4: If you read the letter in the context of Jefferson's other commentaries, on church-state relations under the First Amendment. What Jefferson was doing is he was erecting a wall of separation, not generally between church and state, but he was erecting the wall between the national government and state governments on matters pertaining to religion. But that distinction has been lost in the modern mind and in modern jurisprudence. And I think in the last 75 years or so, we've seen this idea being used to promote a a kind of coerced secularization of of public discourse, uh, political discourse in this country. And it is pushed to the margins, I believe, people of faith and ideas of faith. And I think that has not been healthy uh, for American democracy.
0: Not all of the founders were born-again Christians, by any means, but they all recognized that Christianity made a profound difference in the lives of people, and that people who allowed themselves to be governed by God didn't need the heavy hand of human government upon them. Because Jesus Christ is king of all, he's often a threat to government leaders who seek unbridled power. The rebirth of the pure good news of Jesus Christ in the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s was opposed by many leaders in the church and the government. But Martin Luther boldly spoke out anyway because he knew the true freedom comes from Christ. As I shared with the congregation here at Cool Ridge Presbyterian Church recently, we are called to not be ashamed of the gospel. It was the two verses found in Romans chapter 1, particularly verses 16 and 17, that turned this world upside down and led to the movement that we are still feeling the effects from today. It was Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that that Augustinian monk, Martin Luther, began to read and to wrestle through, and as he read these two verses... He rediscovered for the church the gospel that had been lost. God used this passage, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, to convert Luther, a man who at one time hated the idea of the righteousness of God because he understood that his righteousness paled in comparison, that he could never have a righteousness that matched the righteousness of God. But it was then in this this passage that he saw these two words, by faith. And Luther says, I broke through. He broke from the darkness and into the light. And Luther's life was turned upside down. The church was turned upside down. And the world was turned upside down as well through the Reformation. Let's read together Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith. As it is written, quoting Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. On August 21st, 2017, millions of Americans witnessed a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, the solar eclipse. Children got out of school, people took off work, everybody had fancy glasses as they attempted to look up to the sky to witness what so many people have not had the privilege of witnessing as the world in that region the light went dark. Well, 500 years ago, the light of the gospel went dark throughout the world. 500 years ago, the church was no longer preaching and proclaiming the good news that man could be saved by faith alone. An eclipse of the gospel, darkness of the light of Jesus Christ overwhelmed the church. If it wasn't for the brave men and women of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago, who then brought forth the light of the gospel into a church and into a world that had been eclipsed through the truth of Jesus Christ. The Protestant Reformation 500 years ago was nothing less than a rediscovery and a resurgence of the true gospel, the good news that we are made right with God, by grace alone, through faith alone, on the basis of Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. A rediscovery of the gospel of grace. A rediscovery of this truth. The first thing that Luther discovered was a new confidence. A new confidence found by way of verse 16. He reads, the Apostle Paul writes, In the first half of verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. As Luther was posting 95 theses, 95 objections concerning what the church at the time was teaching. He boldly nails that 95 theses. And the news of his objections go viral. They go viral all throughout Germany, throughout Europe, and ultimately throughout The world. And he didn't back down. Luther didn't back down because he had a new confidence. He said, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Well, several years later, after he posted the 95 Theses, he was brought on trial by both the church and the state. And Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, brings him before the tribunal and asks him to recant, to recant all of his teachings that the gospel is only received by grace, through faith alone, according to the word of God alone. And this is what Luther said with great confidence. He said, I am convinced by scripture and plain reason. I do not accept the authority of popes and councils for they had contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Many believe that this was the birth of religious liberty. To stand up against not only the established church at the time, but against the state and say, I will not recant. It is not safe. It is not right. But my conscience is bound by the word of God. What gave Luther such confidence? Luther read the word of God, and he said, God has spoken, and it is true, case closed. Now, Luther had heard all the stories. Luther had heard of all the stories of the martyrs that went before him, the men that did try to stand up for what is right, and they were burned at the stake. But for Luther, it didn't matter, because he had a new confidence discovered in the gospel that he was able to say, I am not ashamed because my God has spoken and his word is true. And when my God speaks, I listen and I obey. Oh, do we need men and women today that live by this truth that are not swayed by popular opinion, that are not swayed no matter what the cost, no matter how great the temptation to be able to say, I don't care what you say, my God has spoken in his word, and it is true, and it is absolute. So against popular opinion, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the temptation, we are men and women called to live under the authority of God. And like Paul and like Luther, to say, I have a confidence and I am not ashamed of this gospel. It was 500 years ago that Luther discovered a new confidence. And I pray that we would be men and women that daily discover where our confidence lies in the word of God alone. The one thing this world needs, the one thing this world longs for. It's the message of the gospel that changed a man, that changed the church and changed the world and even has the power to change you this morning. Listen to me, a fire was lit 2,000 years ago. The embers were blown on and the fire came about once again 500 years ago. And today... We have the privilege to take this good news, to stand with men and women that have gone before us and boldly declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only of power unto salvation for a lost and dying world, this gospel that's been entrusted to you, what will you do with it? I pray that you will only have one response, that you will say, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me, amen.
6: Hi, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. Standing firm on the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the entire purpose of this ministry. We live in a time of unparalleled departure from the truth. Our young people are increasingly living in deep confusion about God's design for gender and sexuality. And at the same time, the left is working overtime to make sure that Christian voices are silenced. That's why D. James Kennedy Ministries is more important than ever. And it's why we have published the new book, Stealing Freedom, The Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty, edited by Dr. Rob Pacienza. And we'll send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation. In this book, with a foreword from Alveda King, you'll learn why America's founders embedded religious liberty as our first freedom. You'll discover how it's under relentless attack today and what we must do to defend it. And if you're able to give a donation of $100 or more, we'll send you the book, plus our brand new documentary program, Intolerant, The War on Religious Liberty. The secular left is tearing down religious freedom in America and we are sounding the alarm. You'll meet faithful Christians in this program who've lost jobs or even been hauled before civil rights tribunals for holding to biblical values on marriage and gender. And you'll also see why there's reason for hope if Christians stand their ground. It's particularly important that we hear from you right now with a generous donation. Our fiscal year ends on June 30th, and we are facing a significant shortfall. We don't wanna to have to cut back on stations or on programming. If you donate right now, your gift will essentially be doubled in its impact. Some generous friends of our ministry have established $125,000. that time is now matching challenge. So any gift you give today will be effectively matched dollar for dollar for the sake of the gospel and the future of freedom. This year, we've expanded our reach into Russia and war-torn Ukraine. Elena from Kiev watched our Ukrainian broadcast and writes that she was so encouraged to pray for the salvation of my parents. I got really motivated to believe after watching the preaching. And when they watched these programs with me, they wept because it spoke to their hearts and they received Christ. Thank God, unquote. Friends, this is no time to pull back. This is a time when the world needs us to advance. So please, don't delay. Let us hear from you right away. We'll thank you for your generous donation by sending you our compelling new book, Stealing Freedom, The Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty. And we'll send you the book, plus our new documentary on DVD, Intolerant, The War on Religious Liberty. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33339. Or call toll free 877 962 7677. Or go online to djkm.org.
0: It's no secret that the greatest erosion of religious liberty in America today is as a result of the LGBTQ movement. The First Amendment declares that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was vital to the founders, building upon the foundations set by the Christian pilgrims who first settled America, that government neither restrict freedom of speech nor the flourishing of Christian faith. Yet today the First Amendment has been replaced by an unwritten amendment claiming that the most important right of all is the made-up right not to be offended. Christians are to remain silent on what constitutes actual marriage, or whether male and female are not fluid categories to be determined at will. So why must Christians stand against this new concept of rights? Why can't we just go along to get along? Well, because that would compromise faithfulness to our God and to our country. Christian opposition to the current woke ideology is the most effective protection against tyranny we have left. The 20th century's foremost scholar on totalitarianism, Hannah Arendt, said that a totalitarian society seeks to displace all traditions and institutions with an ideology, and it seeks to bring all of society under that ideology. A totalitarian society is one that aspires to nothing less than defining and controlling reality. And we see that happening now all around us as we're told that men are women and women are men and that it's a hate crime to say otherwise. The great Soviet Christian dissident, Alexander Solzhenitsyn went to prison in a totalitarian society, the communist Soviet Union. He famously wrote that to oppose the totalitarians we must live not by lies. He said such a regime does not usually need to use violence. Instead, quote, it demands of us only a submission to lies, a daily participation in deceit, unquote. But Christians are people of the truth, who are commanded by God to refuse to bear false witness. And how much truer is that when the issue at stake is God's very character and design? God created human beings, male and female, and he created marriage in the Garden of Eden between one man and one woman. To give our silent assent to perversions of God's design is to betray God. And American freedom is dependent upon self-government, which the founders told us is dependent upon religion. If we are to be faithful to our God and to our country, we must live not by lies, but instead proclaim biblical truth in love, without watering it down to pacify those who would silence us and bury the First Amendment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay up to minute by connecting with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and make sure to check out our new weekly podcast, The City of God, at cityofgod.com, and wherever you get your podcast. Finally, Remember that you're always invited to join us at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale on Sunday morning for worship. You can also join us by live stream at crpc.tv. And now, here's a look at the next Truths to Transform.
4: I received a phone call from my patrol supervisor who informed me that my Facebook posts had been complained upon that I would need to remove it, and that failure to do so could result in my termination.
1: That's next week.
2: This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.